Good morning, happy Sunday, February 14th, and welcome to Every Day's a Holiday, a daily podcast calendar giving you a reason to celebrate every day of the year. Today's holiday is National Organ Donor Day. Also known simply as Donor Day, this holiday exists to bring awareness and appreciation to people who are literally so awesome that they are willing to give up a part or parts of their own body to help out another meat sack. Full organ donation can be a risky and often infeasible sacrifice to make, but Donor Day also applies to anyone who has, or is willing to, donate tissue, bone marrow, platelets, or even blood. Every type of donation can save a life, and if you are amongst those who have sacrificed a part of yourself to help another, you're a grade A quality meat sack in my book. Unless, of course, you act like an entitled jerkwad about it, then screw you. Donation should be its own reward. And if you haven't ever donated blood or tissue before, that's okay. Maybe you've been considering full-on organ donation upon death. That's totally an option. In fact, most organ donations happen upon somebody's death. You see, once you die, you can give your body up to donation. And a single donor can save up to six lives with their heart, two lungs, a liver, pancreas, two kidneys, and their intestines. That's right, you can donate your poop tubes to help somebody out. Throw in blood and bone marrow donations, and a donor can do all of that, plus help more than 75 other people as well. Look, as of September 2020, over 109,000 people are on the national transplant waiting list. In 2019, 39,178 transplants were performed, which is incredible, but 17 people die each day waiting for a transplant, and every 9 minutes, another person in need is added to the waitlist. Kidneys are the most widely needed organs by patients on the waitlist, so if you feel like you don't need that extra kidney, go ahead into the kitchen, find any old rusty knife, and get to practicing those surgeon skills that you know lie deep within you. Or, better yet, go to organdonor.gov and register to become an organ donor today. If you have ever given or received a donated organ, blood, platelets, tissue, or bone marrow, Go ahead and share your story on social media with the hashtag NationalDonorDay and spread the word that the world needs more donors. And especially a huge thank you to anyone listening who has donated. Happy National Donor Day, you amazing meat sacks. Now, let's take a look back through the years to see what happened on this day in history. On this day, 54 years ago, gospel singer and civil rights activist Aretha Louise Franklin first recorded her famous rendition of Otis Redding's song, Respect, at New York's Atlantic Studios. The song was written and originally released by Otis Redding two years earlier in 1965, but even he admitted that it is truly Aretha's song. Otis Redding's version is a plea from a desperate man who will give his woman anything she wants. He won't care if she does him wrong, as long as he gets his due respect when he brings money home. However, Franklin's version is a feminist declaration from a strong, confident woman who knows that she has everything her man wants, she never does him wrong, and demands respect from him and her propers when she gets home. And it was this rendition that became one of the most celebrated songs of the R&B era. The song earned her two Grammys in 1968 for Best Rhythm and Blues Recording and Best Rhythm and Blues Solo Female Vocal Performance. It was then inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 1987. And in 2002, the Library of Congress added the song to the National Recording Registry after placing number five on Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. 
It is quite literally impossible not to start grooving the moment you hear that saxophone and guitar hook. Ooh. Aretha Franklin's vocals in this song are to die for, but it was really her arrangement of the instrumentation and soulful music composition that made this song a true R&B anthem. So cue up Aretha Franklin's respect and jam it out today knowing that this song was first recorded exactly 54 years ago today. Now, it's time to commemorate the births and deaths of famous or infamous individuals in our next segment, Life and Legacy. Today, we're celebrating the birthday of the national leader of the abolitionist movement, Frederick Douglass, who, if he were alive, would be turning 203 years old today. Frederick Augustus Washington Bailey was born into slavery on February 14, 1818, on the eastern shore of Chesapeake Bay. Well, kind of. See, growing up, Frederick Douglass didn't have any accurate way of knowing his true age, and there was no authentic record containing his birth date. Historian Dixon J. Preston researched the remaining records of Frederick's former owner, Aaron Anthony, and determined he must have been born in February of 1818. So, the exact date of his birth isn't known, but Frederick Bailey decided to celebrate his birthdays on February 14th, having remembered his mom calling him her Little Valentine. He later wrote this about his earliest memories of his mother. The opinion was whispered that my master was my father, but of the correctness of this opinion, I know nothing. My mother and I were separated when I was but an infant. It was a common custom in the part of Maryland from which I ran away to part children from their mothers at a very early age. I do not recollect of ever seeing my mother by the light of day. She was with me in the night. She would lie down with me and get me to sleep, but long before I waked, she was gone. Frederick grew up in slavery, being ping-ponged from owner to owner from the time he was six years old until he was about 20 years old. In 1837, Frederick met and fell in love with Anna Murray, a free black woman in Baltimore who inspired in him the possibility of his own freedom. Together, they hatched a plan, and on September 3, 1838, Douglas took a northbound train clothed in a sailor's uniform procured by Anna, with money from her savings in his pocket and registration papers from a sailor friend. About 24 hours later, he arrived in Manhattan a free man. Anna soon joined him, and they were married on September 15, 1838. Once free, he had to use fake names to avoid detection, so he first took on the surname Johnson, but he soon realized that this was a far too common surname in the area. His host at the time, Nathan Johnson, see, too many Johnsons, suggested the name Douglas, in reference to the character James Douglas from Walter Scott's poem, The Lady in the Lake. Now, that's only a snippet of Frederick Douglass's early life, and anyone could go on for hours about he went on to become the national leader of the abolitionist movement, how he traveled to Great Britain and Ireland in the midst of the potato famine, how he became the first black American nominated for vice president in the United States, and how he staunchly supported women's rights as well as civil rights based on race. But I have another show to put out tomorrow, so I'm going to leave it off at him escaping slavery and changing his name to Frederick Douglass. After all, every amazing individual has to start out somewhere. And by 20 years old, Frederick Douglass had lived enough life for five people. So happy birthday, Frederick Douglass. I can only hope more people nowadays can be as colorblind and genderblind as you were in the 1800s. 
Today is also the supposed 1,751st anniversary of the death of St. Valentine of Rome. You thought I'd forgotten that February 14th is Valentine's Day, didn't you? All my talk about donating organs, Aretha Franklin, and Frederick Douglass, but all you wanted to hear was about Valentine's Day and how it's a holiday created by the greeting card industry to increase sales of love notes, jewelry, flowers, and crappy boxes of assorted chocolates. Well, although all of those things do typically experience higher sales around this time of year, Valentine's Day actually does have a long and storied history that I will barely skim the surface of today, but I recommend looking into it more if you have the time. So, way back in the glory days of the Roman Empire, Roman citizens had this little festival of fertility that they called Lupercalia, or Lupercalia. It was celebrated from February 13th to February 15th, and it involved sacrificing various animals like goats and dogs. Yikes. Oh, and women would also get whipped by men using the hides of the animals they'd just killed, which was somehow supposed to make the women more fertile? Yeah, the Roman Empire was beyond messed up. But then, sometime in the 5th century AD, the Catholic Church got involved. Pope Galatius I was faced with a popular holiday that did not exactly reflect good Christian ideals. So, he created the Feast of St. Valentine, celebrating the famed St. Valentine who had been put to death by the Romans. This holiday would also be celebrated in mid-February, and Lupercalia was essentially absorbed into it. The main issue here is that there were multiple St. Valentines that had been killed by the Romans. <laughs> Thanks, Romans. One legend says that Valentine was a priest who was put to death because he performed weddings for Christian soldiers who were forbidden to marry and refused to stop when demanded by the Empire. Another legend said that Valentine was a prisoner who fell in love with his jailer's blind daughter and restored her sight, presumably with the power of love. Most likely, Pope Galatius' Feast of St. Valentine commemorated multiple historical figures deemed as saints. But the overarching theme that stuck with it was that St. Valentine's legend was that of love and defiance in the name of love, and it just became more and more commercialized from there. But yeah, the original Valentine's Day honors the death of some really nice Catholic minister who was executed by the Roman Empire, supposedly on February 14th, 269 AD. Enjoy your Valentine's Day, you guys! Lastly, let's find out what listeners like you are celebrating today in our final segment, Listener Celebrations. Today, Shayla is celebrating her little brother's 8th birthday, very nice. Valerie is celebrating 10 years since she quit smoking. Congrats, Valerie, that's an incredible achievement, and please keep up the good work, you're doing great. Vanessa and Cody are celebrating their engagement anniversary today. Congratulations, you two are a lovely couple. When's the wedding happening? And Cassandra, congratulations on finishing your master's degree today. That's incredible. Can't wait to see what you do with all that extra knowledge. Thank you for sharing your celebrations with us, and if you are celebrating anything like a birthday, an anniversary, or literally any special occasion, big or small, please shoot me a message at everydaysaholidaypod on Instagram. And a quick reminder that February is Black History Month in the United States and Canada. I have pledged to donate $50 this month to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund to help provide legal assistance to black Americans who can't afford it and advance the cause of racial justice and equality. If you are interested in contributing as well, go to act.naacpldf.org to donate.
And if you want more information about the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, go back to the February Monthly Mention episode of this podcast. Thank you for joining me in today's celebrations. Special thanks to AJ Curtin for composing the music for Every Day's a Holiday. Please rate and review Every Day's a Holiday on Apple or Google Podcasts to let me know what you think of the show, or just pass it along to a friend. And tune in tomorrow morning to see what there is to celebrate on February 15th. Enjoy today, and catch you tomorrow.